And welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 106. Finally, here in mid-Michigan, or mid-November in Michigan, uh, on Sunday evening, we had, no, Sunday during the day, actually, we had a, um, a significant windstorm, and it took our power out. You know, we've been out for three days, and so I couldn't do anything uh, since I started the Word Encounter. I had posted a new episode every day, uh, but then... Nature kicks in, and so we had to take four days off until we got our power restored. During that time, I kept going, kept reading, kept highlighting, kept doing things that were necessary to be done to present new episodes. Uh, but one of our main concerns was just staying warm. It was very uh, chilly outside. It got down to the mid-20s. That's Fahrenheit, not Celsius for you people in, in Europe and elsewhere in the world. And... Um, and it got pretty uncomfortable, you know, it got pretty uncomfortable. But, you know, we made it through. We got our power turned back on yesterday. Uh, and um, it, it's just been um, an interesting time. We got to spend a lot of time with our, with our sons uh, because they have a, a condo in downtown Detroit. And uh, so we went down there and spent the days in order to stay warm. Came back home at night because we have a couple dogs, a couple big dogs, and uh, they had to be fed and and walked and that sort of thing. So it was just uh, it was just an interesting time. It's interesting to see how how much you depend on something when it gets taken from you. So when we didn't have any power, you know, we kept doing things out of muscle memory and then realizing, oh, I can't do that. Don't have any power. And so it was not um, it was not cool. But everything is back. Uh, praise God, and we just thank uh, thank the Lord that we have the opportunity uh, to keep on going here. So without further ado, we're going to pick it back up. In chapter um, uh, 120 of Psalms. And so the intro says, uh, A cry for truth and peace, a prayer for deliverance from false accusers. All believers must live with the tension of being in the world, but not belonging to it. And um, if you've ever read the scripture that says, you know, we're in the world, but not of the world. And sometimes it's like, what exactly does that mean? And what that means is that we don't subscribe to the world's um, system of things like success, things like failure, um, and, and things uh, involving those sort of things where the world defines uh, what it believes it means to be successful or to be a failure or to be good or bad or whatever. Uh, but we allow the Word of God to define those things for us, and many times those things are at odds with the things of the world or things in, in culture. And so the world contains a lot of cultures, different cultures, and a lot of different cultures call for things that are against the Word of God. And so if we're not of this world, that means we don't subscribe to those things. We subscribe to the things of the Lord. And so uh, in verse 1 it says, um, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Lord, rescue me from uh, lying lips and a deceitful tongue. In verse 5, what misery that I have stayed in uh, Mi Mishka, that's a city, uh, that I have lived long in the tents of uh, Kedar. I have dwelt too long with those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And so the author here is saying that I've, I've dwelled too long with those who essentially hate the things that you love, Lord. And so uh, he's saying that um, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to do what you call me to do. And so in uh, chapter 121, it says, The Lord, our protector, we can depend on God for help. Pilgrims must travel through lonely country uh, to, their uh, to their destination. They are protected not by anything created, but by the creator of everything. 
Verse 1, I lift my eyes towards the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot uh, to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. A lot of times we find ourselves in different, uh, difficult circumstances and we're wondering, you know, how am I going to get out of this? Or where, where's my help going to come from? And we can always look to the Lord. Matter of fact, that's the first place we should look towards whenever we enter situations like that. Matter of fact, let me go even further back. We should look to the Lord before we make decisions that put us in situations and circumstances where we require his rescuing us. And so we are to live in a continuous uh, communal relationship with the Lord. We, in, in other words, a continuous dialogue with him. And if we can do that successfully, he will guide us and lead us, you know, and, and not allow us to, to enter into situations that would tempt us to sin and that sort of thing. So we need to be cognizant of our ever-present relationship with God. Chapter 122, a prayer for Jerusalem, for Jerusalem. This is a Psalm of David. What Jerusalem uh, was for the Israelites, the church is to the believer. Verse one, I rejoice with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. So essentially he's saying, I rejoice with those who say, let's go to church. So do you rejoice with people that want to go to church? I mean, it, sh it should be because those are your brothers and sisters. You, you're going to celebrate, to honor him, to praise him. You're going to get fed, to get watered, to get nurtured, to get educated. You know, you're, you're going to, to find out the real substance of life and how you're to live it. And so you should be celebrating that, in my opinion. Verse 3, Jerusalem built as a city should be solidly uh, united. Where the tribes, the Lord's tribes, go up to give thanks uh, to the name of the Lord. This is an ordinance for Israel. Verse 6. Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May uh, there be peace within your walls, security within your fortress. And so there's a lot of anti-Semitic behavior in the world and, and whatnot, and a lot of anger uh, aimed towards Israel and, and, and Jerusalem. And there's, you know skirmishes and this, that, and other. But the word says, pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. So if you're a believer in Christ, you know, we need to be praying for the well-being of J Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. You know, we want to be secure wherever we are, you know, in our land and ourselves and whatnot. And may there be peace within your walls, security within your fortresses. So somehow, if you pray for the well-being of Jerusalem, then all of these things will come on you because the Lord is watching over things. The question is, do you believe that or not? And let's go on to chapter 123. Looking for God's favor. Look to God for mercy. We are encouraged to be attentive to God's leading. Verse 1. I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven, like a servant's eyes on his master's hand, like a servant's girl's eyes on her mistress's hand. So our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favor. Show us favor, Lord, show us favor, for we've had more than enough contempt. We've had more than enough scorn from the arrogant and contempt from the proud. And so we see a lot of these uh, uh, psalms and songs are written um, when people are in a position or, or an atmosphere of distress. 
And so they're calling out to the Lord. They're calling, don't forget us, Lord. Don't forget us. Don't leave us behind. You know, don't allow me to continue to suffer, Lord. Do you hear me, Lord? And so you, you can feel, as you're going through Psalms, you can feel the distress of the authors and, and, and what kind of angst they're under as they're crying out to their God. In chapter 124, the intro says, the Lord is um, on our side. This is a Psalm of David. God delivers us from those who seek to destroy us. Amen. God is on the side of those who seek him. Verse 2, if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, then they would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger against us. Then the water would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept us over. The raging water would have swept, swept us over. Blessed be the Lord who has not let us be ripped apart by their teeth. And so, well, let me do this last verse. Our help is in the Lord, or our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so <clears throat> when I read stuff like this, it's a reminder to me. When, when we get into tough situations and circumstances where people are coming at us, you know, and we're trying to defend ourselves and whatnot, then somehow, some way, via some avenue, some path, we get delivered from it. Do we remember to praise God and thank the Lord? Or do we just do a whew, glad that's over and totally forget what has been done on our behalf? It's just a question. Think about it. Chapter 125, uh, the intro says, Israel's stability. God is our protector. The mountains around Jerusalem symbolize God's protection for his people. <clears throat> Verse 1, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. It cannot be shaken. It remains forever. The mountains surrounding uh, the mountains surround Jerusalem and the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous so that the righteous will not apply their hands to injustice. So it says in verse three, the scepter will not, the scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous so that the righteous will not apply their hands to injustice. And so in other words, the Lord is protecting his people from injustice by not allowing the wicked to remain in land allotted to the righteous. And so if, if, if there is something that belongs to you, you know, property, relationships, people or whatever, that you feel that the wicked has their hands on. The Lord says that in his timing anyway, that he's not going to allow you to fall into injustice. In other words, to fall into sin. And so, therefore, he's not going to allow that to, to sustain. And so, a lot of times, this stuff doesn't happen in the timing that we want it to happen in. And so, we get impatient. We're thinking that the Lord's not listening or doesn't care or God doesn't exist or whatever. But in his timing, his timing is perfect. In his perfect timing, on his timetable, he will see about the things that are of his concern. And that is where faith comes in. We just have to pray and wait. And it's that another cry out, call out, and, and, and do so in a manner that is consistent with how he wants to hear from us and doing so without any unbelief in us while we're doing it. That's the tough part because this is something that's in your core. It's not something you can fake. And so let's go on to chapter 126. The intro says, Zion's restoration. God does great things. His power not only releases us from sin's captive hold, but also brings us back to him. <clears throat> Verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. 
Our mouths were filled with laughter then, and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And so there was a reputation of the people as other people saw the Israelites partying, having a good time, being blessed by the Lord. In verse 4, Restore our fortunes, Lord, like water, like water, courses, like water courses in Najeev. And so <clears throat> we see here that, um, that there was a time when everything was great and cool and whatnot. Then it wasn't so good. And so now there's a cry out for the restoration of our fortunes, Lord. And so hopefully in that period of time, and we know that they didn't really, uh, the people recognized the error of their ways. And so they were, uh, they should have been committed to correcting those ways when the Lord restored them. And human beings seem to have a problem with that. Um, they get into distress, then they do things they're supposed to do. But then when they get out of distress, they return to the ways that put them in distress in the first place. So let's go on to Psalms 127. The intro says, The blessing of the Lord, life without God is senseless. All of, uh, all of life's work, building, building a home, establishing a career, and raising a family, must have God as the foundation. And I can attest to the truth of this. You know, um, there were many times when I just did not know, <laughs> as a husband or as a father, you know, what the right decision was. And so I just went with my intuition that was based on the word. And so I tried my best to eliminate any self-thought or any uh, foundational principles of ideas that came from myself and re rely totally on the philosophies, principles, precepts, and ideas that come out of the Bible in order to guide my decision-making. And, um, and sometimes it wasn't comfortable and sometimes it wasn't easy, but I just had faith. And, um, and everything seems to have worked out. And that's not a process that you do just one time and then it's over. It's an ongoing thing, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. This, says, uh, this is the Psalm of Solomon in verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. What, what does that mean? if the Lord isn't at the foundation, then that thing is going to crumble in due time. Don't know when, but it will. And so it says that you build a house without the Lord as a foundation, you're doing it in vain. You're building something that's going to crumble. When it says a house, it's not necessarily talking about a physical house, although that's probably inclusive of that. It's talking about a family. It's talking about generations. It's talking about a lineage, a line. And so it's going to verse 3. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. And when it says sons here, it's, it's talking about children. Uh, verse 4, like arrows, in the, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. They will never be put to shame when they speak, their in, when, when they speak with their enemies at the city gates. And so... In other words, says when you make the Lord your foundation and you have offspring, then what's going to happen if you consist and persist in that is that you're going to be happy. Now, you're not going to be happy all the time because there's going to be an ebbing and a flowing of what's going on. But in general, you're going to be a happy man. You're going to be a contented, a fulfilled person. And it says um, you will have a quiver of them and they will, they, will, they will bring you joy. Okay, they will bring you joy. It says they will never be put to shame 
when they speak with the enemies at the city gates. In other words, they will be they will be offspring that will garner respect. You know, and so I think, you know, as parents, this is what we want for our kids. And so if we establish this, if we can um, effectively establish this foundation of God in the house, then this will be the the offshoot of doing that. This will be um, uh, this will be the this will be a witness for for people looking on. They will see how things have turned out because you were uh, committed to the things of God in your house in the raising of your family. <clears throat> so let's go on to chapter 128. Intro, blessings for those who fear God. God, the true head of the home. Uh, oh, this is important. This is called the marriage prayer uh, because it was often sung at Israelite weddings. God will reward your, devo- your devotion to him with inner peace. Verse 1. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. I mean, essentially in a lot of situations and circumstances, we could just end reading right there. Verse 2, you will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy and it will go well for you. Your wife will be like... um, a, f- a fruitful vine within your house, your children like young olive trees uh, around your table. In this very way, a man who fears the Lord will be blessed. In this very way, a man who fears the Lord will be blessed. In this very way, a man who fears the Lord will be blessed. I don't know that I can say that enough. In this very way, in this very way, being a man who establishes the foundation of his house on God, The man who fears the Lord will be blessed. Verse 5, may the Lord bless you from Zion so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life and will see your children's children. Peace be to Israel. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you from Zion so that you will see the prosperity of your house all the days of your life. And we'll see your children's children. Amen. Chapter 129, the intro says, protection from the oppressed. Confidence in terms of persecution. God will bring us through tough times. Let's see. No, confidence in times of persecution. God will bring us through tough times. Verse 2. Since my youth, uh, they have often attacked me. But they have not prevailed against me. Plowmen plowed over my back. They made their furrows long. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the ropes of the wicked. Let all who hate Zion be driven back in disgrace. Then none who pass by will say, may the Lord's blessing be on you. Uh, We bless you in the name of the Lord. Yes. Chapter 130. Awaiting redemption. Assurance of God's forgiveness. God will surely forgive us if we confess our sins to him. Verse 1, out of the depths I call to you, Lord, listen, uh, Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Lord, if you kept uh, an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? (laughs) Isn't that the truth? If the Lord kept the scoreboard with regard to our sins, who could stand before him? Because none of us are perfect. And we all fall, and we all fall frequently, and we all fall more frequently than we like to admit to ourselves. 
Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there's forgiveness so that you may be revered. And so if we're keeping score on ourselves and, and we, we see how many times the Lord forgives us, I mean, we would be in an attitude of praise and worship all the time because great is, our, uh, great is the Lord that has forgiven us so many times. In verse 7, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with, God, with the Lord, and with him is redemption and in abundance. He will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Uh, chapter 131, a childlike spirit, this is Psalm of David, trust and contentment. Quiet trust in God is the basis for our contentment. Lord, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty. Uh, I do not get um, involved. I do not get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me. Instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a weaned child. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forever. And we're going to conclude here with chapter 132. And it says, David and Zion chosen. Honor God and he will honor you. The psalmist praises God for his promise to perpetuate David's line. First one, Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured and how he swore an oath to the Lord, making a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not allow my eyes to sleep or my eyelids to slumber until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. In other words, what's being said here is David is saying, look, I'm not going to allow myself any comforts, any worldly comforts and whatnot until I make sure that my father is taken care of, my father God is taken care of. Then I will partake of his pleasures. But until then, I can't rest. I can't sleep. In verse 11. The Lord swore an oath to David, a promise he will not abandon. I will set one of your offsprings, uh, one of your offspring on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and uh, my decrees that I will teach them, their sons will also sit on your throne forever. And so, you know, the Lord is making this covenant promise to David. You know, if you do right, not only will you be king, but your son will be king. And not only will your son be king, but your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren, you will sit on the throne forever as long as they do right. Verse 13, for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever. I will make my home here because I have desired it. I will abundantly bless its food. I will satisfy its needy uh, with bread. I will clothe its priests with salvation, and its faithful people uh, will shout for joy. There I will make a horn for David grow. There I will make David's strength and renown and reputation grow. I have prepared um, a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame but the crown he wears will be glorious. Yes, and, and thus is the fate for the one who's in covenant with the Lord. And so a lot of times people only see what they perceive as the restrictions in following the Lord, following um, righteousness, following the path of peace and justice. All they see is do's and, and do nots and restrictions, and it's, it's not letting me be me and this, that, and the other. They don't see the freedom that God is trying to deliver to his people. They don't see the, the, the benefits, the victories that God is willing to deliver to his people if they keep their covenant with him. 
And so with that, we have concluded uh, episode 106. And if the power doesn't go out, we'll pick it up in episode 107 tomorrow. Everybody have a blessed day. Bye-bye.